Welcome. Now, my name is D. Ludlow. Now, before we get into this episode, go to the description, click the link and get your M&A Mastery Toolkit. This is a free download, which gives you some of the tools and resources that you need to start your M&A journey. Don't forget, go to the description, click the link. It's a free download and enjoy the episode. And I think as well, in the past, like if you look over 2010 to 2020, it was an incredible, like you said, we're, we're no longer in this period where they can just come and save us with low rates and QE anymore. That's gone now. That decade, that extraordinary decade we had of tech growth and high beta stock growth, it's, it's, it's past us now, you know, and I don't know where we go from here now. Is it, can they still do QE in the same way they did it before? Is it going to be a new iteration of it? You've got the ECB talking about that now. They're going to introduce this new tool. No one knows what it is yet, but I have a feeling it's going to involve some sort of QE. So today's episode of 25 on 5, I'm with Dylan from Macro IQ. We're going to be discussing the current macroeconomic outlook. And we'll also talk about DeFi and DeFi Ponzi's, Bitcoin and everything that's going on in the world economy right now. We're live. So welcome 25 on 5. Welcome to the podcast, Dylan. Um, you know, you're no stranger here anyway. Um, we've got a 25 minute hard stop today. So we're going to get straight into it. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on the current UK economy. Mr. Macro IQ, definitely want to get your thoughts. What's your current thoughts and you know, what do you anticipate over the next you know, 12 to 24 months? In the UK economy, I think if you look at kind of economies around the world, particularly the US, the UK and Europe, the UK is probably in the worst state possible at the moment. You know, uh, Inflation is running out of control much higher than you've got in the US and, the, and Europe. Uh, the cost of living crisis has become like a mainstream kind of news narrative now as well. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely kind of, we're, we're running into a bit of trouble here in the UK, I think. Um, and it's going to be a lot more difficult for the Bank of England to try and deal with that as opposed to the Fed and, and Europe. One thing I always say about England and the UK in a lot of my articles that I've been writing recently is uh, the UK is a crystal ball mm. for America and Europe because they started tightening a lot quicker and a lot earlier than uh, America and Europe did. So for America and Europe, six months, 12 months down the line, they're going to be in the exact same position. So for the UK economy, I'm anticipating a recession, as I am everywhere in, in, in most economies, but the UK is going to get there a lot faster. Um, the OECD, I believe it is, they came out with a report uh, last month, and they said next year growth in the UK is going to be worst, uh, is going to be the worst out of all the major economies in the world. So I'm expecting the UK to be pretty bad, um, and I need to try and get out of here as quick as possible. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, I, th I feel that you know some of the indicators people miss are some of the most yeah. common sense indicators, right? Even when you start to see. Um, a few months ago, we see Netflix, FedEx, Tiffany & Co. all miss mm. on earnings, right? Mm. And, you know, um, when people started to forecast, you know, economic deceleration, and we start to first hear about it, you know, I think a lot of people was very optimistic. And, you know, when you see the FOMC meetings and, you know, people do get optimistic in markets, which of course you are, right? But I also feel that the sort of behavioral finance aspect comes in then. And, you know, people look for biases, um, you know, they're looking and we can find them online, right? Mm. It's easy to find a bias that suits your oh, yeah. personal narrative, right? Anyone Just can scroll do it. on Twitter for 15 minutes, mate, and you'll find something. Yeah, well, look, the, 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 <laughs> these platforms are set up, um, you know, the algorithms are going to show us what we want to see, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to find. Yeah, sure. But, you know, everything that has been going on and, you know, all the optimism that it has been in the market, you know, recently we've, we've heard some of the comments from, you know, Jerome Powell and people have started to realise that okay, we need to start taking this a little bit more serious because he, he's not really, 
He's not messing around. No, the confidence isn't there anymore either. So, like, you know, he even, we've heard him say um, quite recently that he's open to potentially another reserve currency, which we've never, ever heard um, you know the Americans yeah, yeah, talk yeah, anything about that. So, yeah. and we also um, hear him say that look, we don't really know what to expect because the world has changed in the last two years. Then we've had Jamie Dimon say the same thing. Who knows where this is going to end because mm -hmm. we never experienced this before. So a lot of um, uncertainty in the market from some quite key voices as well. So um, the, w the other thing I want to ask you was this whole soft landing that we. we, we <laughs> You know, Softish landing. Yeah, well, <laughs> people are talking about a soft landing, and I, I've tried to look back through some of the historical data, and the Fed never creates a soft landing. So very optimistic again from like uh, consumer sentiment. So, what's your thoughts on the whole soft landing narrative? And do you think that there's any way we could have a soft-ish landing? And if we were to have one, how would that look? No, we're not going to get a <laughs> You know, I think it's interesting because the first six months, now now we're into the second half of the year now, the first, I think when I came on your podcast last time with Graham, I was talking about how the narrative for the first half of the year was going to be inflation and interest rates. Everyone's going to be terrified and petrified what we're going to do with uh, sky-high inflation and interest rates are going to get racked up. Second half of the year, I said it was going to be all around growth and this economic deceleration. And now you're starting to see it. Everyone's talking about a recession. But the truth of the matter is, when you're getting, like you're talking about all these indicators, GDP, uh, employment, they're all backward looking indicators. So yeah. the Fed are reacting off of one month lagged data. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't think we're going to get a softish landing. I think it's going to be a very hard landing. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it's very hard to predict how the Fed are going to get out of this one, to, in all honesty, or how any central bank are going to get out of this one. Yeah, it's, you know, again, looking at history because that's all we can look at. And like you said, they're, they're, even though they are, they're, they're looking at things that have already happened even on those things they're not very quick to react they're not very reactive right um in all honesty they should have so now they're talking about going 75 75 50 50 yeah. they should have started doing that in, at the beginning of the year in yeah. q1 q2 already they're late to react they're, they're in this catch-up process right now where they're trying to catch up to inflation now whereas they should have been doing all this in q1 and q2 now they're, now, they're, now they're in a bit of a now they're in a bit of a model. So what are they going to do now? Hundred percent. And, and when I look at it and think, right, we we've been in a very lot sort of low rate environment for a long time, mm -hmm. um, and you know, to sort of the, the amount of QE that we did, um, of course, there's always consequences to to playing around with markets anyway, right? Now, usually, I think we spoke about this many times, right? But you know, to build a bit of a story around this, you know, usually central banks have two buttons they can press. One is usually drop rates and the other is print money. Yeah. The issue we have here is they've done both, exhausted both, but now we've got inflation and, you know, real inflation, who knows what that really is, right? But we've got, you know, a higher inflation than we'd like. Now, the way I look at it is, right, they, they can't fully stop printing money because once you create this beast that keeps eating the the QE that we have, the economy we've built, has to keep growing. It can't mm -hmm. just stop, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's what they've built. So eventually they have to pull out the money printer again. But they've tried to raise rates and regardless of whether they're doing fifty basis points, seventy five basis points, whatever they're doing, raising those rates, are the, is is that really gonna bring us back down to the two percent magical inflation level? Where where does that need to go? And and the reason why I ask this is because at what actual level does interest rate break? 
does everything become insolvent? Yeah, that's that's the question I think everyone's asking. <laughs> what, at what point does everything break? And usually, it's, it's, if you look at the kind of trend line of, of rates, uh, sorry, the, the the downtrend of rates over the years, it's never it's always been like lower highs, lower highs, lower highs because mm-hmm. the debt we've kind of taken on year over year over year has uh, has increased massively, so we can't push rates uh, as high as it was before. You'd think now central banks keep talking about this neutral. We're going to get to neutral. No one knows where that is. It could be where are we at now? One point seven five, roughly. Yes. I think something I've like lost, that. I've, I've lost track. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they want to get to around about three and a half percent by the end of the year. Um, I have no idea. Nobody knows. That's that. That's the kind of magical question. And for me, I think they've just in the back of their heads, they've got this voice in in, in my in my head anyway. They've got a, central banks have got a voice in the back of their heads telling them you're doing it again. You're fucking up again. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I can talk this. But, uh, We're not BBC, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they have this voice in the back of there that's saying, you're doing it again. You're doing what central, you do, you're making the mistakes that central banks made in the 1970s. You know, and, and I feel like that's just ringing in the back of the head. So they're just forced to keep raising these rates, raising these rates. But again, you got to think, raising rates calms things down from a demand side. This is a supply side problem. Yeah. So what do they do? But the supply side is what created the demand. So, yeah. like, you know, people are saying, oh, this crazy demand for stuff. It's like, well, is, th- is this real demand or is this just supply issue demand? And, and I think that, you know, there's a bit of both, but I think it's mainly supply side issues that's mm-hmm. created crazy demand. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when people are like, the funny thing is like, I talk to business owners on a week-to-week basis and, and they've had, some of them have had an incredible 2021 and, you know, and a, a bad 2020 and or whatever, right? And when I actually ask them, I'm like, you know, what have you done different in 2021? Now, obviously, most of the time it's because you've had crazy pent-up demand for whatever yeah, yeah. industry it is. And a lot of them are putting it down to good, good business acumen. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not saying that you're not good at business, but yeah. th- this is, we've had a very unusual 24 months, right? And um, I don't think people can really put, like, you know, a pin on exactly what's happened altogether. And no one knew really what direction it was going. All we could do is anticipate and speculate on where it was going. Now, people are looking back at the moment and being like, look, what does what's, does this situation we're going through, you know, if we look back in history, has this happened before? This is what everyone keeps saying, right? I don't think it has, right? But I see a few people trying to say, well, Volcker raised rates to 90% in the 80s, right? Now, I've got a few notes here. and So when he raised rates, debt levels were low. Mm-hmm. very very different today mm-hmm. and also they can only raise um, rates before things come insolvent and the 75 basis uh, uh, point rate uh, the base point rate hike is the highest since 1984 but the point is if we look back in history a lot of the stuff that's happened today if you t- if you actually zoomed out of this the entire macro picture what could you relate this to I'll be looking into this um I wouldn't compare the inflation now to the 1970s. I'd compare it to the 1940s. Yeah. Have you looked into that as well? So I listened to Lynn Alden talk about it. So yeah, Lynn like, Alden. Yeah. There's another guy I listened to called Dario Perkins as well, his name okay. is. And he compared it to the 1940s. So if you think about it, it was very... The picture now and the picture back then was very mm. similar. So we mm. had a financial crisis. So if you look back then, we had the financial crisis in 1929. Yeah. We had the financial crisis and we come back to modern days in 2008. That catalyzed like almost like a depression-like state. We had the Great Depression back then, mm. and after the financial crisis, the whole global economy went into this like depression-like state. After that, we had World War II, yeah. 1939 to 1945. If we compare the similar event to modern times, COVID, let's just say, yeah. right? Uh, if we go back to 1939, 1945, after the war finished, everyone had all these excess savings which they'd built up because everyone during the war was told to build up your savings. So when the war, when the war kind of uh, ended, 
you had all these excess savings which were just unleashed upon the economy. Same with COVID. You had all these people who were handed out stimulus checks, all this excess demand unleashed upon the economy when economies reopen again. And then you look at the labour market, very similar as well. We had loads of job vacancies, but because all these people were coming back from the war who weren't very skilled, they couldn't fill the job vacancies. So it's very eerily similar. So I think going forward, one thing I'm going to keep an eye out on is the volatility of inflation. Mm. It's going to be very much like this, I think. It's not just going to be like, like that. Mm. I feel like it's going to be more up and down. And you're seeing it right now with commodities. Everyone's calling for recession now, and they're probably right too, because you're starting to see things like mm. oil and copper starting to come off now pretty aggressively. Mm. So, yeah, I'd rather compare it to 1940 rather than 1970s. And the fact that people are starting to say, Paul Volcker this, Paul Volcker that, is fucking scary man it, 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 it definitely is it's very scary yeah 100 percent. and i think that a lot of the things that you know they they especially central bankers uh are commented on now it I, I do feel the confidence in you know a lot of people didn't have much confidence in them anyway but you know no. the, the the general public who did look for you know government central bankers to to guide us through the storm i think people are just consumer sentiments changing um overall so and I think as well, in the past, like, if you look over 2010 to 2020, it was an incredible, like you said, we're, we're no longer in this period where they can just come and save us with low rates and QE mm. anymore. That's gone now. That decade, of, that extraordinary decade we had of tech growth and high beta stock growth, it's, it's, it's past us now, you know, and I don't know where we go from here now. Is it, can they still do QE in the same way they did it before? Is it going to be a new iteration of it? You've got the ECB talking about that now. They're going to introduce this new tool. No one knows what it is yet, but I have a feeling it's going to involve some sort of QE. So, yeah, so I seen, I read a Lynn Alden report and she was talking about they're going to, like you said, probably look at QE in a, in a, in a hidden way. So, YCC? Yeah, or, yeah, um, and, and shit about using foreign exchange reserves to yeah. buy bonds and all sorts of stuff like that, increasing uh -huh. the FX reserves. So that's probably what's going to happen. Mm. But one of the things that I thought was interesting was I read um, that I'm sure it was... It was at the Fed conference, and they talked about stable coins, right. and they they mentioned how um, stable coins could help what's currently happening, and it makes sense because stable coins are backed by you know U.S. government debt and other alternatives, um, U.S. alternatives, right? So I'm not sure how that's going to work because mm. we've seen um, you know the same group of people attack stable coins um so it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out but what's your thoughts on that because i i've really made my mind up yeah neither have i to be honest. <laughs> it's not something i have generally looked into too much i know mm. it's, it's a, and every time we speak there we kind of talk about it as well yeah. but i have no view on it at the moment to be honest with you i'm just waiting for you know obviously china have kind of started their kind of process with with um bringing out their kind of uh, digital currency and things like that but i think unless they until the u.s make a move or maybe even europe or someone a major continent start making a move i think that's when you'll start seeing something but right now i think it's just all yeah it's all speculation at the moment in my opinion yeah and I, i've seen that the the pilot program looks like it's going to be rolled out what's this for the fed yeah okay. boston mit would make sense obviously because they, they actually yeah. Yeah, work on blockchain there um but yeah that uh who knows what's going to happen? But also, I did read that um, they're going to be using DLT, like distributed ledger technology, but probably not on the blockchain, which I thought was interesting because obviously DLT can be on or off the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And apparently, the what they're using for their CBDC is not going to be apparently on the blockchain, which I don't know. I thought if we're going to be moving towards 
you know blockchain technology which they've they've, they've been happy to endorse I, i'm quite surprised that they're working on something that isn't blockchain based but i suppose they can tamper with the spreadsheet more then can't they mm, that's all true. dlt is it's just an open true. spreadsheet yeah, so yeah, yeah. um and we know that they'd like to tamper with stuff so maybe yeah. that's it so um moving on from there which is probably going to tie into the macro stuff anyway it is bitcoin right now on our last um uh, podcast <laughs> of me you and graham yeah. um you know i remember um when we asked you your bitcoin end of year price prediction i remember graham was like oh <laughs> yeah it's quite and i was like yeah he's a bitcoin beer and all the other stuff right <laughs> but um yeah like you know it's, it's it's the overall sort of picture isn't looking too good yeah. um plus you know the macro environment is looking mm-hmm. very bad so um as you know people aren't going to be jumping um into risky assets at this situation so what's your sort of um short-term and long-term outlook for Bitcoin right now? Short-term, uh, nothing's really changed for me. I still think uh, there's a long way to go for both kind of like equities and Bitcoin. The, the correlation is going to be pretty tight for the, for the, for the remainder of this year, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think because we've got this now recession that we're starting to price in, I still don't think Bitcoin is going to benefit from that. I see in the, hopefully within the next six to nine months, Bitcoin can hopefully bottom out between 12 to 14K maybe. Mm. I think that would be an incredible, incredible price to be getting in, especially for like long-term yeah. investors like ourselves. Uh, but over the long term, my picture, my kind of view has not changed. Um, if you start looking at kind of, obviously the biggest catalyst for Bitcoin is going to be the Federal Reserve. And you can start to see already next year, there's, started to, uh, there's rate cuts beginning to be priced in already for next year. Obviously, we've got the halving in 2024 as well. So I think we could have almost like similar to... 2018 i believe it was you know when bitcoin rallied off like 3k mm. and everyone thought it was the next bull market yeah yeah uh, i think that was that tied in quite closely to where the fed pivoted because of the repo market if you remember um so i think we could get some sort of a rally next year uh, in bitcoin if the fed does start cutting rates slightly but then i think going into the halving we, we will eventually see that that larger bull market but there is there is a voice inside my head saying almost whether Bitcoin is going to be tied in with the halving going forward. It just seems too obvious. For me, when anything seems too obvious, I just tend to like question it a little bit or almost disregard yeah. it. Um, 100% it's possible that the Bitcoin could have the, uh, could catalyze an export market after the halving. But I think going forward, this is something that Lynn Alden said as well. Um, going forward, I think Bitcoin's price is going to be more uh, correlate to its supply and demand as opposed to just the halving. Yeah, so a few things you mentioned uh as locked down to the Fed too, we're seeing sort of more people being open-minded to it. I've seen um, the BIS now saying that banks can now hold 1% yeah, yeah, of yeah. reserves in Bitcoin. So it is all interesting. Um, one of the things before we sort of go a little bit deeper into the Bitcoin stuff, um, do you feel though that they're going to keep hiking rates past September? Do you think they're going to do it until next year? Because, you know, at what point, we've already seen a lot of economic uncertainty and based on all that uncertainty and recession fears and you know i said on the podcast previously that human behavior is funny we wait until we're told general public yeah. that we're in a recession before people start acting yeah. like they're in a recession yeah, yeah, yeah. strange but they do <laughs> but um so yeah at what stage do you think they're like oh wait a minute you know can we keep breaking stuff or do, so yeah when do you think they're going to start you know loosening up on that i almost don't that? think they will until no. inflation comes down Honestly, man, I feel like they've got a huge, huge credibility problem. And the only way they're going to tackle that is by getting inflation down. I almost think if they can get inflation under... So their mandate's 2%, right? Mm. I almost think if they can get inflation under 
they'll pat themselves on the back and say, okay, job well done. If it stays above 4%, then, we, then they really have to start breaking stuff. Do you feel, feel that we're, we're potentially entering more of like an inflationary decade, you know, with higher... Stagflationary almost, we, you can say. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so, the word. So we've, obviously, yeah. So, yeah. We've, so it's something that 